Welcome back, Amazon sellers. Are you excited to learn how Seth can flip electronics and other products from eBay to Amazon? By doing this, Seth makes around $40,000 to $80,000 in monthly sales, and he has been selling on Amazon for a few years. In this episode, Seth, also known as Checkmate Flips, will share with us all the important strategies people need to know how to succeed on Amazon. Today, we'll discuss 30 essential questions related to selling on Amazon. Make sure to listen carefully as some of these tips may change your Amazon game forever. If you want to visually see how Seth does product sourcing, check out the full interview on our YouTube channel. Check it out. Welcome to the next Amazon Top Seller Podcast. Stay updated with the latest Amazon news and learn the nitty gritty of selling on Amazon through Be Cool's ears of expertise in the Amazon world. I'm Samuel, and I am the host of this podcast, brought to you by the fantastic Amazon experts in Be Cool. Let's start our journey to become the next Amazon top seller. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Today, Be Cool invites an Amazon seller who has been selling on Amazon like for many years. He shared his sourcing tips from eBay to Amazon. And today he will share some product sourcing tips with us, as well as how he used BeCool to leverage his business. So ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome Seth, AKA Checkmate Flips. Hello, Seth. Hey, how's it going? It's uh, Amazon right now. It's the most exciting part of the year right now. I don't know if you guys are watching in the replay or whether you're watching right now, but we are right in the last of October. And basically yeah. the stuff that we're sending in right now is the stuff that's going to be active in November and December. And that's going to be our Q4 sales. So it's just an exciting time. Yeah, that's great. And like, first, like, I want to ask you, like, can you introduce yourself like to some people who might not know you yet? Yeah. So I'm Checkmate Flips. I'm Seth. Um, I've been reselling for around three and a half years now. Mm -hmm. I got started actually with a small app called Depop. And on Depop, basically, you can sell used clothing. You can sell a lot of like other like fashion type stuff. And my brother was reselling uh, back in the day. And I was like, oh, that sounds like a bunch of fun. Um, started selling on Depop, eventually started selling on eBay. We got the cat in the background. It's perfect. But eventually that progressed into selling books on Amazon. It was going to be my side hustle to eBay. And then I discovered like it's so much easier to find inventory for Amazon FBA books than eBay because like oh, you oh, find yeah. something for eBay and you have to like take pictures, you have to list it, you have to ship it. But with books, you find it and you kind of list it for one to two minutes max and you put it in a box and it goes to Amazon. Yeah, right, right. So it's much easier. Yeah. Instead of 10 to 15 minutes per item that you sell, it's literally two minutes per item that you sell. And mm. that's a, that's a massive game changer. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But like back then, like how did you decide that you want to do the online business? Yeah, I was in, in school at the time and my little brother was also in school and he came back. Uh, it was Mother's Day. We were hanging out with my family and he comes back and he's like, I'm making another $600 profit a month selling used clothes on Depop. And so for a student, like that's, oh, that's, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot. I mean, like that's not full-time money or anything, but like that's super fun to like be able to have something on the side to make a little extra money to make ends meet. So yeah, he took me to the thrift store. I purchased 10 items, listed them. And uh, that was kind of the start of it. 
Um, oh, wow. And then okay. eventually, like, I learned about other YouTube channels and stuff and learned from there, yeah. So yeah, your brother was, like, the one who motivated you to start, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, that's great. And, like, how did you decide that, like, Amazon is, like, much better? Like, and when did you decide that, like, okay, you need to move and sell on Amazon? Yeah, yeah. As I learned to sell on eBay, I was watching a lot of YouTube content on eBay. There's a lot of YouTube content on that. And I think eventually I came across, I think, Romer the Romer and Reezy Resell. Mm. And they were talking about selling books on Amazon. This was back in late 2020. And so I figured, you know, like it wouldn't be that hard to just start an Amazon seller account and scan some books at garage sales and have that be a thing on the side. And also before that, I don't know if you've heard of the channel, uh, like, Walter, Walter Blake knockoff or something like that. I don't know his oh, exact name, mm. but he, uh, he always goes to the Dollar Tree and, and just like scans the most random stuff like dish soaps and like this little dollar store type stuff. And it always sounded so fun to sell on Amazon, but like starting a seller account and getting ungated in groceries and health and beauty and all that as an eBay seller, I was a little intimidated by it, but eventually oh, yeah. decided to take the plunge into books. But like until now, like, do you still sell on other platforms or are you fully focused on Amazon? Yeah, it's like 95% Amazon. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, if, if there's ever like a return that's like broken or something, I sell it on eBay. At this oh, point. right, right. Yeah. And like back then, like, do you remember like how much money did you start with? Because I think it was much easier, like maybe like three years ago to start, right? Yeah. Um. I mean... When I started with Depop, I think I, I only spent like 20 bucks. Um, oh, wow. And then maybe another 20, 30 on like poly mailers and stuff like that and labels. And then I think I put another couple hundred dollars into the business and then kind of kept rolling it from there. So it was like maybe like all in total, like within 300, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause especially eBay, it doesn't take as much money to do. And even Amazon FBA books, you could start with three to $500. It just, mm. Oh, your progress if you only start with a little money yeah yeah that's true and do you think like it's uh, hard to find the first item to sell for example for you like how did you find the first item to sell and like how did you know that it's going to be profitable to sell yeah that, that's a scary thing because you don't want to just buy something and then it never sells because mm. there's data that you're looking at and if you misread the data or just ignore the data like maybe the item's not going to sell um so for me, I think I had watched YouTube videos where they talked about how you can use the Amazon seller app to look at the fees and to look at the sales rank. And so I think when I started with Amazon, I used the Amazon seller app and I would just scan the barcode of the books because most of these books have barcodes. And so you just take the Amazon seller app, you scan the app. And even though it says it's a $12 on Amazon, you got to look at the fees. And so you see, okay, after fees, I make $4. The book is $1, therefore I can make $3 profit on this item. That's a good deal. I'll do that. All right, right. And back then, like, do you know, like, uh, yeah, because I guess, like, there's no keeper, like, uh, so, like, how do you know, like, oh, this item is, like, going to be, like, on demand or, like, how much money should you sell this item for? Like, do you remember, like, how did you check that time? Yeah, at the very beginning, I was just using the Amazon seller app, which was a mistake for selling books. And I was able to look at the sales rank, uh, which is really helpful. But then for books, you can also use Scout IQ, which is a tool that it kind of crunches all that data together and kind of gives you a green yes or a red no. And that made book sourcing a lot easier. Uh, this was probably like a year and a half ago at this point, but maybe two years to a year and a half ago. 
Yeah. And like for now, like uh, what kind of products do you sell? Like, yeah, it's, um, it's a lot of electronics. It's a lot mm -hmm. of office products. It's a lot of computer accessories. Um, I've recently gotten into some things in like the tools category, like random little like circuit breakers, or there's just so many different things out there. Yeah. A lot in those different categories. Okay. Well, yeah, it seems like a lot, but like, how do you usually do like the product sourcing? Like how do you find like what item to sell or if it's going to be profitable, like to sell this item, like what kind of tips can you give like to some people who wants to do a product sourcing? At the very basic level, before you make any purchases, you want to make sure that the fees are in consideration. Like you don't want to just buy something for $140 and sell it on mm. Amazon for $160 because there's fees. And so if you do that, you're probably going to end up losing money. Just make sure you're using a tool like seller amp or even the seller central on your phone to just calculate those fees. But to actually find the items, um, I would strongly recommend using Keepa. And besides that and the seller app, you can get started with just those two tools. Um, mm. And so with Keepa, you can understand there's guides on this. You can understand Keepa a lot better and you can see what stuff is selling extremely quickly. And I really like the higher ticket items, the items that are over $50. Um, there's space for an eBay seller to sell it for less and then have a margin to sell it on Amazon. So you can look for items that are over $50 and make sure that there's sales velocity. You can use a tool called um, Flipmine. You can look at the things that you've sold in the past and see, are there any selling on eBay for a cheap price that I could purchase? Um, yeah, there's just a, a lot of different ways to do it. Wow. Okay. And like, how about like ROI? Like what ROI people should look for? Like when they try to find the item to sell? Yeah. Um, maybe like 40%. I mean, you 40 can, you can you can go for like lower ROI if you want to, but I would probably recommend having more experience because if you're going to source like over 50% ROI, for example, you give yourself some room for error. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah, right, right. If you're confident in your abilities, maybe 40% or lower. Mm -hmm. And like when you find the item to resell, like you suggest like call like around $50, right? For the item. Yeah, like... I just find that it's easier to have margin if the item on Amazon is a little bit more expensive. Mm -hmm. And then there's also people who they don't want to pay $20 for a single item. And so they get scared away from it. But then there's oh, opportunity mm -hmm. there because people are scared of it. And really, there's a good margin to be had there. So yeah, I find it easier to look for higher priced items. And then you can mm -hmm. just buy instead of like five and like, how about like, we're gonna do the product sourcing, like maybe like live demo for the product sourcing, maybe we can try to find the item from eBay to Amazon and maybe you can share your screen and we can uh, sure. try to do that live demo. What do you think? Yeah, we can do that. Um, so one way that you can find profitable items is just by thinking of a broad category. So we're, we're in electronics. We want to source something in the electronics category. How about like a charging station? Oh yeah. That. Charging station is good. Yeah. I know from experience that in the charging stations, there's going to be a lot of these private label type items. Mm -hmm. So just a background on what private label items are to anyone who doesn't know is that um, it's basically another third party seller like us who came in and they have a relationship with a manufacturer and they basically made a brand for themselves and are selling it on Amazon. So if we see like we'll open this, for example, it's going to be just this guy on the listing and 
in the Keepa. Um, so I don't know how familiar you are with Keepa, but in this bottom section of Keepa, there's going to be the used offer count and new offer count. If there's just one seller on the listing all the time and then people come on and get kicked off, that means that you're going to get an IP claim if you list this item. So oh, you so do want to be careful. Stay, yeah, you want to stay away from stay away. this. Mm. Yeah. Um, but we can go back here. And kind of like we were saying before, we'd probably want to look for something over $50 max. I kind of don't care. So we're just going to do that. So when you're looking through these items, if you hover over it, you'll get to see the Keepa graph as you're going through. And we can see here that there's a market going on on this. The price is going all over the place. Um, people are selling this item. It's not just one guy on this. So we could take a look at this. So this is a Belkin 3-in-1 wireless charging station. I think I'm gated in this. So this might not be um, what we're looking for here. And Seller Amp, our tool here, is telling us that, that there's IP issues with the brand Belkin. So it's just a little bit higher risk of an item. Oh. Mm. So it, it's not always correct, and I'm not even ungated in it anyways. So we're not going to be able to pursue this. Um, but we can look at the price here. Let's say we were ungated in Belkin. At the very lowest, we could sell this for $45 used. So let's, so if you've never looked at a Keepa graph, this is really confusing. Let's really simple it down a little bit. Um, so this black line is going to be the used price. So if you're selling used, this is the price that we're looking at. If we're selling new, um, the new price and the buy box. So the buy box is where a lot of the sales are going, and uh, we can see that it's anywhere between $100 and $120. And then sales rank, this is the determinant of like how fast this item is actually selling. So we see that it's almost always a 4,000 rank in uh, cell phones, cell phones and accessories. So the demand is pretty high. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So if we want to know like, well, maybe I've never sold in cell phones before. How how fast is that really? Uh, Seller Amp give us, gives us a really good estimate of how many sales per month this whole listing is getting. So this is telling us that it's going to be somewhere in the ballpark of 1,100 sales per month. So um, that's a lot of sales. Yeah, and there's 28 people on the listing. So we can kind of get a gauge of if we were ungated in this and it was a product that we felt comfortable selling, which it's, uh, this isn't the product, um, we would be able to sell quite a few of these per month um, if we can get this profitably. So what we can do though, here is another way that you can find profitable products. Now that we're on something that potentially we could find this profitably from eBay, let's say we were ungated in this and there wasn't issues with it. Mm -hmm. If we purchase this for $55, we can make a 40% ROI, $22 profit. That would be great. So if there's people on this listing who are selling this and they're making money with it, they probably also have other profitable items, right? Would that make sense? Yeah, right, right. They're probably trying to make money here. So let's take a look at some of these other sellers. So what I did is I clicked into the stack of sellers. 
I went over to Prime. I went over to New. And we see that here are all the sellers who are selling this new. So this person has 160 ratings. This person has 34 ratings. Um, this is a very big store, very big store, um, pretty big store as well. So what we can do is we can click into one of these stores and see if they have any other items that would be profitable. So I'm going to go ahead and take a look at this guy. Um, I mean, 34 ratings may not sound like a lot, but a lot of Amazon sellers don't even have 34 ratings because yeah, yeah. feedback comes not very often. So um, I could go after something like this or something like this because, oh, wow, they're a great seller, but it might be harder to find the source for their items because they're really good sellers. Mm -hmm. But if we go after someone that's in the zero to 300 range, we're probably going to be able to find their stuff a little bit easier. So let's take a look at this store. So 100% positive in the last 12 months. Let's check his store. So we're seeing some vitamins. We're seeing... So something like this, we probably wouldn't want to source eBay to Amazon because this is just too cheap. Oh, yeah, right. Like $16. Like, where are we going to get this for like $3 on eBay? That's not going to happen. But something like this, it's possible. So let's take a look at this. So this is 5000 automotive. Um, we're seeing that it's around 600 sales a month, give or take. So again, what we can do is... Little tip, if you didn't know, you can get the ASIN in the link if you want to. And when you're storefront stocking someone, their offer is going to pop up. We want to actually take a look at the whole listing because they could be listing it way too high. But it looks like they're not listing it way too high, which is great. So if we want to sell this for 40% ROI, we need to get this for under $33. And then it'll get us $13 profit. Oh, yeah. Like, so like the, the next, like once you see this item has potential, you go like to eBay or like some other like online stores, right? And try to find it, right? Yeah, exactly. So that's what I'm mm -hmm. going to do right now, actually. So what you can do is you can either just cut and paste this or sometimes the UPC will be on here. Um, you can just do that and sometimes it's there sometimes it's not this is strange because i usually have them all up but um it looks like there's good demand for this it's been above 60 cents uh this whole year earlier it was lower um but it seems like it's actually holding the price really really well mm -hmm. see that the sellers went up and it stayed up but then the price the actually price still the same yes yeah, so that's actually a pretty good sign here. So let's go ahead and give eBay a look. So what I usually like to do is I'm usually kind of expecting that right now there's not going to be anything because if it's just sitting there and like waiting to be purchased for days and days, that kind of doesn't make sense. So what we'll do is we'll see if there's anything available right now, but then we'll also check the solds and see if other people have purchased this at the right price that we're looking for. So lowest first, that's a screw. That's not the same thing. <laughs> um, these aren't the same thing. Yeah, so our lowest one right now is 50 bucks with a best offer on. So it's possible we can send this guy a $33 offer. He might accept it. 
But let's take a look at the solds. So that's not our item, not our item. Yeah, so the cheapest one that we're seeing is this $50 one. So mm. this is an item that we're not going to find profitably. And so you just have to like, we we kind of only looked at this like one item here. If we look through another probably three to 10 items, we'll probably find something pretty profitable here. But you kind of have to just keep doing that process over and over again. That's pretty useful. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, you're welcome. And and like for like when you find the item like from like eBay to sell on Amazon like is there like a quality control issue like you need to make sure that like how do you usually do the quality control like to make sure that the item doesn't have any problem Yeah yeah um this is kind of the part of this that has actually been a struggle for me this year because a lot of the time I was sending items straight from eBay to a prep center and they wouldn't necessarily check it at all. And so there were issues with quality control. So I probably would not suggest that, especially if you have just started. I was selling used items and sending them to the prep center, and then the quality control just was not the best. And mm -hmm. so if you're going to use a prep center, I'd strongly recommend selling new items or selling a certain type of item that's most likely not going to have problems with it. Like, for example, if you sell this big HP printer that's like 20 pounds and probably going to break, sending that to a prep center, then Amazon FBA, like the quality control is really bad. But if you sell this like little eight ounce calculator, things could go a lot better. So um, also, if you have it sent to your house and you do the quality control, that's going to help out a lot for quality control. And like you mentioned that you use like some... Uh, prep and pack center right so like do you focus on fbm and fba or you only focus like on one of those yeah i just do fba yeah. fba right okay okay and uh, like why do you prefer to sell electronic items um i think i had an experience last year where i helped clean out an office that was the building was being sold and they wanted help with like clearing the office of all the things that were inside of it. And they were down for me selling the items because they knew I resold and they just wanted to sell the building and we were friends and stuff. So I got to like look up a bunch of items and see, wow, these discontinued items, these items that have been sitting here for 10 years actually sell really well on Amazon. And so I think that's how I got into it. And then once I was done with that, I knew, okay, some of these sold really, really quickly. I want to get more of these, but they're not at Office Depot. They're not at Walmart. So where am I going to get them? eBay. So eBay. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Because that's a good place to get discontinued items. All right. Right. Okay. And like, let's say like if now, like maybe like in 2022, like if you want to start Amazon business, but you only have like, maybe like, let's say 100 US dollars, like how, how would you spend that like hundred dollars? start Amazon? Yeah, if you have $100, it would probably be best to just have the Amazon seller account, you could get started with the free version, I would look around your house and sell any books that you have that are profitable that you don't want anymore, because people have more books than they yeah, even realize. <laughs> if you just go scan books at someone's house, you'll probably find like $400 potential profit. It's, it's kind of insane. So if you can get some free inventory, um, I would probably start with books. Amazon is, is kind of complicated. And so being able to start in a place where you kind of just have one item that you're selling books 
and you kind of ship them the same way, you scout them the same way and do all that the same way and they're cheap, that's a really good way to get started with Amazon. And as you progress with it, you could progress into other items if you want to. But um, if you have $100, I would suggest starting with books for sure. Okay. And like, do you need to use like any software, like which will help you like, oh, at the beginning, you think it's not necessary? Um, yeah, Scout IQ is really, really good. And the professional seller account is really good. Um, but those total together to be around um, between 50 and $90 a month. So if you just have $100, I would not suggest that because you're just going to spend everything on software and not make oh, yeah, any right, right. Yeah, so that, that would be if you have like $500, maybe. Um, those things are just going to save a lot of time and you're just going to be burning a lot of time if you're just going with all the free stuff. You know, that's kind of how business in the world works, unfortunately. But um, <laughs> you'll be able to find your first products and you'll get your first sales and see, wow, this really works. And then be willing to make adjustments as things go. And like, do you think like in maybe like in this year, it's like it's still possible to start Amazon business? Because I know there's like a lot of new sellers coming like every day. Like, do you think the it's still possible for people to start to sell on Amazon? Yeah, definitely. It's actually a great time to start Amazon because there's just so much information out there. If you're willing to learn, if you're willing to talk to other people, you are able to do a lot. Whereas if you started, I know people who started back in like 2012 and there were no, there was no YouTube. There was no mm. uh, social media about it. Nobody was out there giving free information away, trying to build their social medias. There was nothing. You just had to trial and error it. And of course there was less competition then too, but like, how, how do you even figure out how to do a shipment on your own? Oh yeah. If you get like IP claim or like you, if you get your product gated, yeah. like you don't know like how to find the way to solve it. Right. Yeah. And like now it's more competitive, but all the information is out there. And at the same time, a lot of sellers aren't willing to go through it and aren't willing to take the time to continue to learn. So if you're willing mm -hmm. to learn, you can definitely get started and get ahead of people real quickly. Um, but if you're not willing to learn, if you're not willing to spend the time, if you think that this is passive income, that you're just going to spend three hours a week and make six grand a month um, on month two, this probably isn't the business for you. You're probably going to have a rude awakening. <laughs> um, yeah, right. You're going to have to work at this pretty hard at the beginning because there's a lot to learn. And like, how do you think, like, uh, how, how much time people need to put in, like when they start, like maybe like a week or a month, like how many hours? Um, unpopular opinion, but if you can get started and work on it full time for several months, you're going to be so much better than someone who is starting this saying, I'm going to devote 10 hours a week to this. Um, you're just going to build that snowball faster and faster. And then eventually, once you've put in a lot of time into it, you will get to a point where it can be more passive. Um, mm -hmm. but I've just seen a lot of people who try to get started with this and like even people that I'm close friends with. And like I had um, some family members try and start Amazon FBA and they they were trying to do it with 10 hours a week only and like not that much money. And they just didn't take it seriously enough, I feel like. Um, and, and don't take it the wrong way if you're listening and feeling discouraged. It's a thing that's totally attainable if you put a lot of time and effort into it, like you really want this to work. But if you're putting like part-time effort into it, you're, you're probably going to get part-time results, unfortunately. Yeah, um, yeah, that's true. 
Yeah, like, and I wanted to ask you, like, and do you remember, like, how much time did you put, like, when you started, like, Amazon business? Um, when I started, it was a part-time thing, but then eventually I decided I'm going to put more time into Amazon than I was putting into eBay. And so with the Amazon, I was probably putting anywhere between 25 and 50 hours a week selling books oh. on Amazon. Yeah. Oh, that's a lot. Yeah, it was a full-time job, so I was able to do it, but it kind of does take some time to learn how to do it. And there's probably two types of people out there. One type of person who's discouraged by that and another person who's like, okay, like if I just put in the work, like I'm going to succeed. I just need to put mm. in the work. So you'll have to figure out who you are then. Yeah, right, right. And like, how, how much money do you think you need to have like in order to start Amazon business? Like what amount of money like uh, would you suggest to start? Um, if you can get started with maybe $500 doing books and then get your first few sales and then get proof of concept and then maybe put another $500 into it, that would probably get the ball rolling pretty well. And like how, how many items do you need to purchase at the beginning? Like maybe like how many listings will you suggest to have? Um, definitely as many as you can, you know, um, definitely with books don't go paying like 40 bucks for a book try and get your books super cheap like get them for free from your neighbors get them for free from facebook marketplace buy them for two dollars at the thrift store you got to make your money go like pretty far you could probably get a couple hundred books and see some results mm -hmm. yeah okay so yeah, like, as many as you can and do you remember like back then like uh, what helped you to scale up your business at the time that I was doing eBay, I was watching a lot of daily refinement and he would talk about weekly listing goals and monthly listing goals and just trying to list as many items as you can. And I kind of took that and was trying to do the same thing with Amazon with books. And I kind of also came across Matthew Osborne's 100 book challenge. Um, basically, the whole idea of it was what will happen if I send 100 books, profitable books in per week to Amazon FBA and what will happen in the next three months, six months. So that motivated me a lot. And then eventually books were making full-time income and I decided to change to more of the eBay to Amazon model. And I was doing well with it. And I ended up taking it to the next level because I, one, got a prep center and then two, started using credit. So Definitely do both of those things with some caution because they can make things go wrong as well. Mm -hmm. But both of those things helped out a lot because if you have more capital in the business, you're going to make more money. And if you have someone prepping your items, then you have all that time to learn how to source better. So okay. both of them are really helpful. So like now, like at, uh, at the moment you do like online and retail arbitrage the most, right? Yeah, right now I do almost 100% online arbitrage. Okay, and what do you think about like wholesale and private label? What, what do you think about those? Like, is it profitable or like when people should move to that stage or you think people just need to do like mm -hmm. online retail arbitrage? Um, I think if you can do private label and wholesale well, um, it's really good money. I don't have any experience in those. Um, I think my skill set isn't suited for private label right now because private label requires you have to manufacture the demand for your product 
instead of just looking at a Keepa graph and seeing that there's demand for your item. Mm -hmm. So in yeah, my experience, it's easier to just look at a Keepa graph and be like, okay, there's demand for this. How do I get this instead of making your own demand for the item? But then if you succeed with private label, like all of those sales are to yourself and you can make a lot of money. And also with wholesale, if you're good at getting on the phone with people to like talk about purchasing items and getting accounts. And especially if you have deep pockets, wholesale is going to be really good for you. Um, I'm sure it's probably good money. And to me, it just doesn't appeal super much. I don't think it would be that mm. far, but it's, I'm sure it's great money. So yeah. Yeah, it just depends like on who, what like, you prefer. Like, yeah. Everyone yeah. is different. And like, I'm kind of curious, like um, while you're doing the Amazon business, like on which stage do you start to use the repricer? Mm, yeah, that's a great question. So this, I think, so I started Amazon with books. Like we've said before, I didn't use a repricer for several months. I started using Reprice It and Reprice It helped a little bit. I didn't like it very much, but it was okay. Um, it was what I needed at the time. And then let's see, I think I used Reprice it most of the time that I was doing books, unfortunately. Um, but I started doing retail arbitrage and online arbitrage and I discovered Beepool. And Beepool mm. actually help out a lot. I think I decided to do the free trial. I was confused by the fact that I could only like make it work for 10 listings or something that I'm like, okay, I need the AI version. And uh, <laughs> it actually worked really, really well. Um, it was definitely a learning curve putting that all onto all of my items. Cause I think at the time I had like 1500 items. And so you had to set the mins and maximums for every single item. But once I did that, my sales got a lot better and I've been using be cool, I think for over a year now. And oh, I like wow. it. Yeah. And, and and that time, like, how did you know about Beacon Repricer? Like, did, did someone of your friend recommend you? Like, oh, you just saw it on the internet? Or... Um, it was probably some YouTube channel that I was watching. Yeah, they probably oh, had okay. a tutorial on how to on how to use Beacool, and I jumped on and used the free trial, and here we are using it a year later. So, <laughs> yeah. And do, do you think like Beacool help your business? Maybe like help you to save time, or maybe like help you to increase the buy box percentage? Yeah, here's a interesting story. So back last summer, I was doing a lot of retail arbitrage from Walmart and I was selling this um, this like computer monitor and the sales price was going to be around $200, but I set the the maximum to like 270 just in case like I didn't think it was going to sell that high. And I looked back at my sales and it ended up selling for like $245. So I made another $45 just because I had a repricer that paid for like almost the whole month because of just that one item. And I had like a thousand items at the time, like just sometimes interesting stuff like that happens where like me, I'm just one guy. I can't be looking at all my listings at one time mm. to make sure that nothing is going on with my listings, but if you set the repricer a certain way, sometimes you're going to end up getting more sales than you think and getting more buy yeah, box, which is super important. And also like some people, they think that like if they use a repricer, it's always going to go with the minimum price, right? But like it actually just see the market condition and it's going to go like accordingly. Maybe sometimes like it's going to hire when you like when it can, right? So like yeah. some people that have that mis misunderstanding, they think that, oh, it's always going to sell for the minimum price only. <laughs> Yeah. And so I personally set my, like the price that I'm wanting 
I set that as the minimum price and then I go back and change it later just so that if it does have that happen where you just sell for your minimum price, it's not like I set it for like break even and I made no money. Like most of the time it is going to like reprice up if it can. Um, but I, I do like to set out like a high minimum. That's just my preference, but I kind of find one way that works okay. And then I just keep using it. <laughs> <laughs> and like, how, how about like repricing rules? Like how do you usually pick your repricing rules or, and do you have a favorite one? Yeah. I use the AI sales booster on almost everything. I don't know if that's good or bad, but it, it does what it does and it works pretty good. So I mean, yeah, if you use it for one year, I guess it works well for your, for your items. I guess I could be using it wrong the whole time and getting results and could be getting more results, but it's working good for me. Yeah, but we also have like conditional repricer, which is pretty useful. And the good thing about that is like, it, it can help you to set uh, different rules, like depending on that uh, condition. For example, maybe the item is not selling well, so it will help you to switch to another rule, or maybe like will change the mean price. Or if the mm -hmm. item is being maybe like in inventory for a long time, it also will help you to switch rule or switch ROI or switch mean and max prices. So maybe like, in the future can check it. Yeah. So I don't even know how to do that, but yeah. So let's say I have a listing that I have on the AI sales booster. We'll, we'll get some education from myself and other people who might be wondering this as well. Yeah. So for example, you go like to conditional repricer, then like um, you choose, there's like five different rules, but we can choose FBA advanced conditions. And then like there you can see, like you can switch, you can choose different conditions. Let's say maybe like your item, like maybe your available quantity, let's say is like 10 and then uh, unit sold for the last seven days. So like 14 days, like depends so like how you think you should set, like it's less than you expected. So like, okay, then like maybe you will need to change your ROI. Maybe you will go down by 5% or maybe just switch the rule. And then like you set up like different conditions. So like there's like, it's kind of like um, a formula, right? Like there's like different conditions, like condition one, condition two, maybe condition three, or if none of those conditions is met, then it will just stick with uh, your rule, like which is like AI sales booster. Yeah, it, it, it will see which condition are you are now, like, and will change uh, to different rules. So like, that's the best part of condition repricer. So like within one item, you can choose different uh, rules. That's crazy. Yeah, there's... There's so much that I'm uh, not using a vehicle, but I need to go in and watch a guide on all this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the, the best part is like, it's help you to save even more time because like sometimes like now, like you, you said that you kind of go back and see like if the item is selling well, and if it's not like it will change, uh, yeah. maybe our eye, but like if you set those conditions, it will actually automatically help you to reset it. So like, that's the best part. Yeah, yeah, I need to get on that, put it on my team, on my list to get set up because now at this point, I go back in my inventory and I see, okay, like 60 days to 90 days. Okay, I need to go down and match the price. Yeah. Of the people. Yeah. And, and that there you can say like, okay, if the item is being like, maybe like 30 to 60 days, like you will have this rule and this min and max. So yeah, it's, it's pretty useful, I think. <laughs> That's exciting. I'm going to, I'm going to put that on my list of stuff to look into additional repricers because that's going to save me a lot of time because yeah. yeah, and let's talk about other tools. Like how, like what other tools uh, people should use, like maybe like sourcing software or like what other tools you would suggest people to use? Yeah. Um, 
I would say there's three tools that are going to save you a lot of time. So there's inventory lab for listing and bookkeeping. So inventory lab is going to help save you a lot of time listing your stuff. Cause if you list through seller central, it's just going to take you a really, really long time. And it also doesn't have any kind of bookkeeping software. So with inventory lab, I can see I sold whatever, like 30,000 in sales. I had this much in refunds. I had this much in cost of goods. I had this much in profit lists out all the different fees and stuff. So you can actually know how much you're making. So that's really helpful. I would also suggest using Keepa. Keepa helps to actually make sure that you're making decisions on purchasing on stuff that's actually going to sell because sometimes a sales rank can show really low, but it's actually most of the time, much, much higher sales rank. And you just caught it at the time where a sale just happened and it's, it's lower than usual. So you could end up spending thousands of dollars too much on an item if you happen to go deep and make a massive mistake. And so keep as like $20 a month to save you on those mistakes if you know how to use it. And then seller amp is a good tool to use that to calculate the fees. Cause if you're buying stuff for 140, thinking you're going to sell it for 160, no, there's fees involved and you're probably going to break even or lose money. Um, yeah, and so right. deal with that. Um, and also like we were talking about before, seller amp also has a cool feature that shows the estimated monthly sales. It's a ballpark, but it kind of helps you understand, okay, this item moves really quickly or this item doesn't move super quickly and I should purchase one or none of them. So those three tools, inventory lab, Keepa, seller amp. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's great. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> yeah. That was a long response, but yeah. And like, how about like uh, some challenges? Like when you do the Amazon business, like, is there like any challenges you usually face? Yeah, there's no challenges. Everything's perfect. <laughs> <All right. laughs> um, yeah. So some challenges are, let's see with the eBay to Amazon for a long time, I was purchasing like one docking station, one printer, one calculator. And for me, they would be high average selling price items. And so I'd be making good profit but the prep center would get them and they would hate me because it takes so long for them to list it. And so I've had a lot of situations where prep centers just don't want to ship my items uh, because oh, they, they just don't want to ship my items. Like they'll send like a third of them and then just leave the rest of them sitting there. And, and that's really bad for cash flow. So selling one-off items, eBay to Amazon with a prep center, just in my experience, it's been pretty hard to use a prep center doing that. So that's why right now I'm transitioning to more new items that have a lot of quantity. That way they're actually going to want to list the items. Um, and if I want to do one-offs, I'll send them to my house and I'll prep them myself. Um, so that's one challenge. Another challenge is um, account health issues, especially with eBay to Amazon, because if you're doing a wholesale, for example, you have an invoice from either a distributor or the brand that you're allowed to sell the item. Um, sometimes in wholesale, you don't even have permission from the brand and you can still get an IP claim. But for eBay to Amazon, it's a lot like selling from a thrift store or selling like Walmart, for example. It's just a lot less likely that they're going to accept the receipt if there is an IP claim. So that's why I'd usually suggest a new seller doesn't jump straight into eBay to Amazon because it's really helpful if you've had a lot of sales on your account. That way your account can actually uh, withstand something if something were to happen. Mm. Um, but kind of like before, you can look at the Keepa graph. I don't know if you remember seeing that pattern where there's just one seller on the Keepa. If you avoid listings like that, you're going to weed out a lot of the issues that you're going to have. So 
probably my biggest challenges are prep center issues and uh, account health stuff. Yeah, those are the, the biggest ones. And like, how do you usually avoid like to stay like maybe with the dead stock? Like, how do you make sure that like all your inventory will sell out? Like, um, how do I make sure that everything sells? Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah. So instead of purchasing like six weeks worth of inventory or two months worth of inventory or three months worth of inventory, I like to be a lot more shallow when it comes to my purchases. That way, when I send something in, I know it's going to sell usually within one week to a month. And then if something goes wrong, it takes two or three months max in order to actually sell those items. That way I'm not just purchasing stuff and It's just sitting in Amazon for months and months and months. And my money is sitting there for months and months and months. Oh, you're right, right. I really like to buy shallow on stuff. Yeah, like uh, I think that's a good suggestion. And like, how about like uh, some tips to people who wants to start Amazon business? Like, um, what kind of tips can you give to those people? Yeah, um, what I say to people who are starting, it's definitely something that's attainable. You should go for it. And just know that like, it's like any other skill. Like for me, for example, I wanted to start and do ticket reselling, for example. And I very, very much so treated it like a side hustle. And I wasn't willing to put in more than like five to 10 hours a week. I didn't spend a ton of time on it. I think I used like $700 and I just didn't take it super seriously. And I didn't put the time in in order to actually learn it. Like I think ticket reselling or Amazon FBA, a lot of these business models do work, but there's a learning curve to it. And you have to be willing to push through that learning curve. Mm. You just have to understand that it, it probably will take you a month, two months, three months, maybe even six months to really know what you're doing. Like you're not going to be losing money the whole time, but You, it's just going to take a while to actually understand what's going on. And that's completely normal. Like no need to be discouraged about that. It just takes time to learn a skill. Like we go to college for four years in order to come out with an entry level job, but we can't sit and learn Amazon for four months. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like we go like 80 K in the hole on college, but aren't willing to go a thousand dollars in the hole on Amazon. And so if you just take it a little bit more seriously, like that, like, I think you're going to do really well on Amazon. It's completely attainable. Oh, yeah, yeah. Thank you. And like, do you have like any point there you wanted to quit Amazon business? Like, did you have that stage in like in your uh, career or not? Yeah, yeah. Um, There was a, a point last year, booksellers will be familiar with this. It was when Amazon reintroduced the restock limits. Um, At the beginning of last year, my plan, I wanted to get to like 5,000 active books. They were going to be a certain amount profit each. And if I continued to maintain that the whole year, I was going to make like a lot of money in 2021. That was the plan. But Amazon introduced restock limits, which basically capped how much stuff you can send into Amazon. And it completely changed the book selling business model for me because I wasn't able to send in any more books and I wasn't to my goal yet. So how is it going to make money if I can't even send books into Amazon? Yeah, right, right. So I, I think I wanted to quit at that point. Um, and then I think there were a few times with uh, challenges with eBay to Amazon that I wanted to quit, but um, kind of figured I should just figure out the issue instead of just quit. So yeah, definitely. If you feel like quitting, like you're not alone. There's other people who would want to quit too. And like, how about like, um, what kind of part of jobs you can outsource and like what parts of uh, Amazon jobs you need to do by yourself like what do you think about this yeah my point of view on that is that 
delegation is a muscle. And at the very start, if you've never like had someone working for you, it's going to be very hard to delegate anything. And so you need to just start small with something. Like the first thing I delegated with was um, some of my bookkeeping when I wasn't using Inventory Lab. She just had user permission to a part of my Seller Central and she would add up how much profit we made basically. Um, That was the first thing. But there's a lot that you can delegate in this business. Right now, what I'm working on is I have a virtual assistant who is, um, she's been helping me find leads for the last nine, 10 months. And now she has permission to purchase between three and $600 worth of inventory per day. And so that's been an adjustment, but she's actually doing really well with it. And it takes a bit of trust to give someone uh, access to your eBay account and like yeah, right, right. information. But like there's stuff like that. Sometimes I'll have her go in and uh, do some repricing. If I'm like curious about a certain brand, like let's say I was sourcing and there's a brand that I really want to look into, I just send her an email and say, hey, for today's work, part of what you do for the day, can you look into this brand and see if there's any listings that we could sell? Um, There's a lot that you can delegate. Because you mentioned that you work with some VA, right? And like uh, what tips do you have like for working with VA? Yeah. A thing that I didn't understand is what exactly is the dynamic. Basically, they really want to do a good job and like they're trying their best. But at the beginning, when you hire them, they're not going to know how to do the job. It's going to be really difficult. They may not speak English super well because it's like it's not their first language. Like that's completely understandable. So if you come in, like when you hire someone and you're like, no, this lead was bad because like, obviously you didn't even check what the buy cost was and like come in with that attitude. It's just going to make teaching them so much worse and they're not going to like you. And they're probably going to like feel too ashamed to even do a good job. But if you come in there and say, Hey, like that lead was actually pretty good. Like the ROI, amazing. Like the buy cost was great. You saw that it wasn't a private label item. You saw that the sales rank was right. Oh, and like maybe next time, let's make sure that the sales price is a little bit higher. If you come in with an attitude of like, wow, you did these five things really, really well. And then there's one teaching point, they're going to respond a lot better and it's going to be a better long-term relationship. And they're actually going to learn faster and do more of what you're wanting them to do. Like, just think about it for yourself. Like, do you like being told like, oh, that was garbage versus Mm. like, oh, you did these five things right. And there's one little growth edge that you can do better next time. That feels right. Yeah. And like, do you have like some sort of SOP for them? Like, do you make SOP, which you share with them and tell them, okay, this is how you need to do this. This is how you need to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, people that I know, some people prefer to like give a, like a screen recording or a video of them doing the task. Um, for me, I've preferred to just write out the task like step by step. And that helps them a lot because if you are really like firm about like, all right, this is exactly what you w- I want you to do. And like you have it in like written language that like your mom who doesn't even sell on Amazon could follow, that's going to help them. Like, why would that not help them? Yeah, that's great. Thank you for sharing those tips. You're <laughs> and like, what do you usually do like in your free time? Like when you're not doing Amazon business, like do you have like some hobbies? Yeah, yeah. I love hiking. I went hiking today and I just wanted to take a lot of the day off today. So I went hiking. I love playing speed chess. So you get 30 seconds for the whole game. And if I run out of time or they run out of time, you lose. But it's also normal chess rules. So you can still checkmate them. 
So I like that, like turning on some loud music and playing some fast speed chess is a bunch of fun for me. And then like hanging out with my wife and hanging out with friends is always fun too. And, and that's actually what, what I was curious about. Like, so the name you choose, like the Checkmate Clips is because you love to playing chess. I love chess. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Like we are getting uh, to the end of our video. Like, so like where people should find you, like, uh, is there like maybe like social media or like something that you want to promote? Yeah, I have a lot of videos actually teaching how to do eBay Amazon on YouTube. And I also talk about it on Instagram as well. So if you want in-depth information on actually how to do that, YouTube is probably the best place to find me. Okay, okay. So yeah, like we will put the link uh, in description so people can go and find you. Thanks, Alex. I appreciate it. And thank you for having me on. It was fun talking and getting to, um, I'm definitely going to put that conditional repricer stuff into what I'm doing. That's going to save me a lot of time. Oh, thank you. You shared really a lot of uh, useful tips and I hope like our audience gonna love it and also gonna go and follow you like on your social media. So thank you. Thank you for today webinar. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Okay. So yeah, see you next time then. See ya. Thanks for staying with us until the very end. I hope you got inspired by Seth's story. Please watch the full interview on the BeQual YouTube channel. We have more stories with other successful Amazon sellers who share their seller journeys with us. In addition, if you sell on Amazon, try out our 14-day free trial for a BeQual AI repricer, which is the best Amazon repricer on the market. We have been in the market for more than 11 years and have already served hundreds of thousands of customers. Not to mention our AI and conditional repricers are game changers in the repricing industry. We're BeQual. We keep innovating to help you stay cool with your Amazon business. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to stay connected with our weekly new episodes, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, follow us on Spotify, or any other streaming platform you prefer. Let's continue our journey to become the next Amazon top seller.